my biggest joy was at the end of the transaction, like, oh, you didn't make enough. Like you worked so hard for us. I love that. You know, I want people to just feel like they get so much value. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Today I get to interview Jen Nelson with the Nelson Group. She's from Phoenix and Scottsdale, Arizona. We should have hit record. We've been talking for about 15 minutes. We've been talking about <laughs> Go Abundance. We've been talking about kids and family and social media and past podcasts and all the fun stuff. So the I already feel like I know her, but now I get to introduce her to you guys. So Jen, how's it going? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's a, it's an honor. I love the podcast. Thank you for being a listener. The uh, My favorite interviews to get to do are people that have been on here and, and got to learn from other agents. And today I said, I asked Jen, what was her biggest goal for coming on today? And she said to give back and provide value. She said she got so much value from the podcast. All she wants to do today is be able to do the same. What is life like right now out in Scottsdale and Phoenix? Uh, well, it is busy. <laughs> yeah. January for us is our busiest season. So March typically is the busiest month of the year for our MLS. Um, so we're the fifth largest city in the U.S., and um, but we're a spread out population. We have a huge metro, and we have about 300 people a day moving here. I'm sure like a lot of, you know, Texas and Florida, Arizona has a lot of both domestic and international migration. So it's great. It's busy. We're still, um, we're in a situation this weekend, 22 offers for one house. And I think almost half of them were cash. Not a cheap house. <laughs> so it's busy. That's unique for January. I mean, I think I think in a lot of markets, January slows down. But I mean, a year ago, January, it was a pretty slow month. People trying to figure out what the year was going to be like. I think, like you said, Scottsdale and Phoenix is, it's really like, you, these are your busy months because of the weather, right? Yeah. People, people come visit Arizona. Like it's 40 degrees in Austin, Texas right now. People go to, to Scottsdale at 70. Yeah, I mean, I think it's truly it's 68 right now. So um, yeah, we do we have snowbirds. So we have a lot of seasonal visitors, um, you know, up to 3 million between October and May. So it, we just stay really busy. It's actually kind of nice because our summers taper off. July tends to be our slowest month. So very opposite of a lot of markets. Yeah, the people have been moving to Phoenix and, and Scottsdale f- forever, right? Like the it's kind yeah. of been just I, a lot of cities have been growing. But I, I lived in Avondale for three oh, or four months many years ago. And when I lived out there, there was just an apartment complex and nothing else. And I drove through there six months uh-huh. ago. And there was like, and it was literally like our apartment complex and nothing for miles. Yeah. I drove yeah. through there and I found it. And it was just like this giant place now all filled in. So the people just been moving to Arizona forever, right? They are. So it's been, I think we're the sixth year in a row of the top four, maybe biggest metros in terms of growth. Um, but we also have businesses. So COVID stayed really busy for us. Um, you know, 2020 was actually a pretty banner year for me um, and for my team, 2021 as well. But we have so many high tech businesses, so many high level, um, high wage earner businesses coming and bringing hundreds of people. So with that infrastructure, there's just a high demand for housing. Um, we're about 2.2 million units short of um, our housing demand. So 
those statistics, I mean, as agents, knowing your statistics in your area, knowing what that demand is, what that housing demand is, makes such a big difference. Because when you're trying to predict the future, it's really hard, right? Mm -hmm. No one could have predicted that COVID was going to happen. But but you can look at things like how many people are moving here and how many houses are available and what's next. How long ago did you become an agent? So I... I kind of came in backwards, 2000, I think it was 17, I got licensed. Mm-hmm. Um, I started in 2001 as an investor. Um, so I bought the ugliest house I could find on the beach. Yeah. Um, so went backwards, builder, developer, investor for a lot of years. And then agent side, 2017, I think. Okay. So, the, so you had been in real estate and was that builder investor out in Arizona or where was it? I started in Seattle, actually. So. Okay. Yeah, buy a little pink and purple house with skunks on the beach. It was yeah. awful and uh, had a lot of fun, had a lot of energy. We um, flipped that one, thought it was really fun before HGTV like, had all the fun shows to tell you how to do it in 30 minutes. Yeah. And uh, we did a couple more, then we did a couple dozen more and um, sold a company there, came out here for a wedding and just were amazed. We couldn't beat the quality of life. So we kind of never left, came here in 04. So that's what happens, right? That's why people are moving to Scottsdale. They they go out there in January at 68 degrees. They can go golfing. They can go swimming in the pool. And they say, what are we doing living somewhere else? And then, well, then summer hits and you just stay inside, right? uh, That's what happens. I learned in Austin. (laughs) The cost cost of living is so good here that most people go to the mountains, which is about an hour and a half. Um, You can get a really cute little house for under 200 or you go to the beach, which is about five and a half hours. So. That's crazy. All right. Yeah. So the, so I get it. I get the draw. And then even when it's too hot, when it's too hot in Texas, most people are flying to Colorado. There isn't a place within driving distance where it cools down from Austin. You have to fly somewhere oh. cooler to do that. Yeah. How many transactions did you guys do last year? We did 32. So kind of a, a slower year for me, if you will. I built a team. Um, so kind of in that J curve, jumped off the bridge, yeah. grabbed some agents who are wonderful. Yeah. What did you do the year before? I think I did. Oh, I don't have those numbers in front of me. Forgive me. I think it was 40. Okay. So the, so the, yeah, so you'd done 40 in 2020, the, um, and then 2021 decided to build a team. So like you said, that J curve, a lot of times when you're building a team, trying to set up long-term stuff, less time to, to grow that by yourself. What's average price point in, in your category? So for general, I think we're just over 500. I want to say 550. Um, that includes some townhomes. So if you go to single family only, we're about 850. Okay. The, and so, so 2017, you come into the market, the kind of pretty, I don't know, there's, I think there's a lot of agents that that's about the amount of time. If, the, if there was no, essentially no crash market was steady in 2017, there was competition out there, but I mean, most places there was three to four months of inventory. So yeah. it's just, you know, getting the business and going through, it wasn't any, it wasn't any easier to be a buyer's agent or, or a listing agent. It was just kind of hard work. What do you remember back to about 2017? Well, I, yeah, you're right on point in our market average um, days on market, I think was about four months, um, which was good. You know, it wasn't the frenzy that, that came with COVID. Um, I had been a builder and developer and investor through the crash here. So I kind of joke that I have PTSD and I'm pretty conservative as a result with my finances and just kind of with market stuff. Um, but it was a good market. Uh, I, I think that, gosh, 2017, I spent about two and a half months studying my systems because um, I'm a nerd and I wanted to make sure that I could serve clients with excellence, that I really knew my numbers. And, um, and then I jumped right in and had a great year. I think I did 
think I did six, seven months. I jumped in mid-year and I think I took home GCI by 85. Um, but it was, it was a lot more babysitting your properties and getting to know your owners. And, and that part I enjoy, you know, getting to spend time with people. I love our clients. So um, it was different. There wasn't the frenzy. Yeah. I mean, bringing home $85,000 in a new job and a new career first year is the nothing to be ashamed about, right? That's a pretty exciting thing to go like, wow, this is, you know, way better than the average job out there. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I was shocked to be honest. I was really grateful. Um, I just really love my clients. And so it was such an honor and it was so fun. And my, my biggest joy was at the end of the transaction, like, oh, you didn't make enough. Like you worked so hard for us. I love that. You know, I want people to just feel like they get so much value. Um, so yeah, it has exploded since then. It's that snowball effect, you know, being consistent, loving on people. Um, we, we mimic our client giant kind of. Uh, so after the transaction, we send them out to dinner when they've kind of had time to rest and unpack. You know, we call them we're like, hey, we want to celebrate you now that it's settled down. Um, and it's funny because we did that because we wanted to celebrate people, but it started generating these referrals, you know, two, three weeks after the transaction, when they can think clearly again, um, they'd be like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm sending you, you know, X, Y, Z. So it was, uh, definitely a snowball. I got real busy after that. It was fun. Yeah. What do you think, what's something that you learned during that first year that you wish you, or what's something you've learned over the last five years that you wish you would have known that first year? Hmm. I can't do it all. (laughs) I think that's the biggest takeaway. I have an amazing TC. Um, I worked till midnight, a lot of nights that first year, two years. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'd be up at five with my kids and I'd be working till midnight, one o'clock, almost every night, just double checking contracts and all the things. My husband sat me down. He's like, you can't keep doing this. You need help. So find somebody <laughs> and kind of God's grace. If you, if you believe in faith, she's amazing. She'd been in my office 31 years. We had all these people in common and she loves that, you know, chasing down the initials. And um, she's just an excellent transaction coordinator and just a good human. She's amazing. So I wish I'd done that sooner. I was able to scale a lot when I got her. Real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Amuchastegui for a quick commercial break. So it, During 2020 and 2021, the real estate market completely changed. There's so much competition in the market, so many people trying to buy and sell houses, but there's hardly any supply, hardly any product, hardly anyone willing to list their homes. It's time for every agent out there to become a hybrid agent investor to be able to reach out directly to homeowners to try to get them to sell or list their house. We've got a new website. Go to leadpropeller.com and you can set up your own investor buyer website in just minutes. You'll set up your own URL, set up phone numbers, help go through the leads, help reach out to people that aren't listing their pro- their property currently and have them fill out a form that says, hey, I want to sell my house. And then as an agent, you can go through and make them a hybrid offer. You can tell them, hey, I think your house would sell for $220,000 on MLS, but I can either write you a $180,000 cash offer right now or I can help you fix it up and you'll list it for 220,000 on MLS. These are buyers that are looking for quick cash offers. Tens of thousands are submitting these forms every single day and they're skipping the listing process. But so many of you guys out there are such good agents. It's a great opportunity to get that lead and help them maximize sales price for their home. So again, go to leadpropeller.com and think about signing up for your own investor site. So buyers will start reaching out to you asking you to make an offer on their home. 
early in real estate, it's tough to want to scale because there's, I don't know if it's just the mindset of um, scarcity or what, but paying anybody <laughs> yeah. to do something that you can do, it's like, why would I pay someone 200, 400, $500 to do this when I can do it myself without being able to realize like, uh, and maybe it's not giving ourselves enough credit, like highest dollar productive activity. Like where am I earning my most money? Where am I, when you have to look at it and say, what, what's the part of the transaction that only I can do? Right. right. Like the interaction, the fight, like, and what's the part of the transaction that I can hire out to do? And it's mm-hmm. not that easy. Like you, I think most people say I should have gotten help sooner. I should have got that transaction coordinator sooner. It was just worried about spending the money or not thinking like, Hey, cause you almost have to have this mindset that says like, I mean, wrong words, not really like this is below me, but like my time is, I'm a better earner at this. You know, right. this is how much I can make per hour working over here instead of doing this part. I think that's, I mean, you're exactly right. I think mindset is 80% of the job, you know, showing up and, and um, knowing your staff, knowing your numbers, fighting hard for your clients, but you can fight with grace. You can fight and, and be kind. Um, and then exactly that, like the scarcity mindset is, I didn't realize it was perpetual. You know, when you first come into the business, you are like, oh, I got a deal. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I got another one. Whoa, this is crazy. Well, now, you know, five years later, it, it's a, there is cycles, sure, but there's consistency in the business. And I really wanted to grow a business. I never wanted to be an agent. Um, we've had, you know, businesses over the years we've bought, we've sold. So I always had that mindset too of, hey, this is going to be a business. Um, I want to grow this. So what do I need to outsource to do that and to be present with my clients, present with my family? But at first it was a little bit out of control, you know, and, and yeah, that scarcity mindset. What is something that an agent should be thinking about right now? If they're thinking like, if they've never even heard that, right? Like, wait, I have a job right now, but I should be growing a business. What's the difference? How should an agent be treating their life different if they're trying to grow this long-term business that they can, you know, grow and be a part of compared to being an agent and really making themselves a job? Well, yeah, that's, um, that's a perfect question. I, I like my job but I don't always want to do my job. So I try and fire myself from the stuff I'm not excellent at. Uh, for instance, I have a, a, an amazing agent on my team um, who is awesome at social media. I'm not. So is it really my fiduciary responsibility to do the best for my client? Yes. Um, so if that's the case, what am I not excellent at? And then how can I either hire it, outsource it um, to grow the business so that I have some time freedom and so that I can be fully present with my client? I think that's the mindset shift. You know, if I'm just working a job, I'm going to grind, grind, grind. And 30 years later, I'm going to wake up and I just did a lot of hustle, which is great. For me, I wanted to have more balance um, and I wanted to build a business. I was very intentional, even about my entity structure, right? What does that look like? Um, Am I a PLLC? You know, what is, how do I protect my assets? Kind of high level thinking is, it's a little different, I think, um, than just saying, hey, I've got a job. You, the mindset too with having a job is somebody's going to do it for me or somebody's hiring me. They're not. They're asking you to go do your job, but they're asking you to build your business. Um, and if you're not building your business perpetually, you know, real intentionality around that, um, and you're waiting for somebody to give you leads or give you referrals, it's not going to be sustainable. You really need to kind of grow those muscles yourself. How did you get deals your first year? Like, were you more a buyer's agent, more a listing agent? How'd you, how did you, uh, how'd you generate that? feels like a long time ago. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I was surprised. My, one of my first deals was a, 
a sweet friend, um, kind of an acquaintance whose family was in real estate. So I was a little freaked out. Um, but it was a lot of SOI. And I actually, I got a couple of agent referrals that first year as well. So it was, a, I think I was higher buyer side, but I did have a couple of listings that first year. Yeah. And then how do you get most of your deals now? So out of the deals we did this year, only two of them were not referrals, which was kind of wild to look at my numbers. Um, so 30 of them were referrals, past clients. Um, I do a lot of agent referrals from theater markets. So a lot of Chicago tends to be one of our biggest ones, um, the Northwest, Seattle, Portland, and then a lot of um, Orange County in LA. So um, as well as past clients, you know, we do lots of multi-generational. Um, so I've worked with grandkids, parents, grandparents, sisters, brothers, aunties, uncles, uh, which is a lot of fun. And um, the other two that were not direct referrals this year were actually people who found us online. So either Instagram or Google My Business or something like that. Wow. So very simple stuff. So the, how do you make sure, what are some of the things that you do? I mean, you mentioned one of them, right? Like client giant, like, like after they close, you're trying to celebrate them. What are some ways that you're getting all these referrals? I'm sure some, I'm sure a lot of agents, when they hear that, they're like, great, I would love to do more referrals too. I would love it if most of my business was through referrals. I know it's not by accident. How did you, how do you form your business to be able to do that? Good question. So we try to do, well, I guess our core values is we try to do everything with excellence. So we want to show up. We want to be the authority, not because we're commanding it, but because we actually know what we're doing, right? So continual learning, um, active in the market every single day. Um, but also, I love that Mother Teresa quote, people will forget what you said, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And so throughout the transaction, I have a um, client care guru. She's awesome. And she, when we have a new client, we actually call, Katie does, and uh, she says, hey, we're super excited to work with you. We have some really fun questions, right? And so this is after the contract is accepted. And clients, it's actually one of their favorite things. We do an intake and we say, what's your favorite coffee? How do you order your Starbucks? What are you allergic to? Um, what's your favorite flower? You know, where do you go for fun? And it's so funny because it has, it sets up the transaction and has this precedent of people feeling seen and known and cared for. And then we have some intentionality around that. So, you know, once they get under contract and the contingencies are moved, Katie sends them something on their list. So it might be a DoorDash, you know, their favorite coffee and their favorite pastry. It's something to celebrate them. And we do that throughout the con the whole contract. So, you know, congratulations or contingencies are removed. I'm not going to send them champagne if they don't drink, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so we wanted to be very intentional about that. And, and I think that's truly one of the favorite things that clients um, talk about. So that goes all the way until about two weeks after the contract. And there are a lot of referrals throughout that process. We do client events. So a couple of times a year, we're doing events, um, really trying to foster community. A lot of people are coming here to the Valley and are new. So we want to give them, you know, community and we want to give them fun things and kind of showcase our local businesses, right? So that's a lot of fun for us. Um, and we keep in touch. So the nerd side of me is, um, you know, we have newsletters that are um, monthly. I do bomb bomb videos with market updates. Uh, we do a lot of text video. We're very video centric. Um, we do YouTube, we do virtual tours. Um, social media is, is real big. Um, so people see that you're out and active in the community, providing value and providing personality. You know, they want to know you like you trust you. So how do you do that? Well, you show them who you are and then hopefully you attract your tribe. Yeah. 
Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. And I know, I know you guys would much rather listen to the content and not the ads and not the sponsors, but this is one that I'm actually super, super excited with. You know, so many of the realtors that we interview on the show, they talk about how much systems are important and how much follow-up is important. And I'm really, really excited about our new sponsor. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time. And when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. You know, on an interview last week with Agent Mark McGuire, I asked him what his favorite software and what his favorite system was. And he said it was Follow Up Boss. And then he went on for another three or four minutes to talk about why Follow Up Boss was the best CRM he uses. So there's a lot of superstars out, out there that use Follow Up Boss. Some of the stats they gave me, Robert Slack, 1.5 billion team in Florida, number one in the US. He uses Follow Up Boss to get a 400% ROI on his massive paid lead spend. Deborah Beagle, co-owner of the Ashton Group in Nashville, uses Follow Up Boss to guarantee the agents who join her team get two homes under contract in the first 90 days. That's a big guarantee for new agents. Barry Jenkins of the, your friends in real estate uses Follow Up Boss to automate everything so his team can produce 200 million on 25 hour work weeks. All right, so here's an offer. You guys are gonna get this special for being Real Estate Rockstars listeners. Now I've, I've used Follow Up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing, and what do, what do you know, best name ever, Follow Up. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, you get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com forward slash rockstars. So again, followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. All right, everybody, thanks again. Now back to our show. I like it. The yeah, and as you were saying that, I'm like, I, I want to get a list of that of those questions that you ask. And in your in and in your intake, you said actually that'll be that's what we're going to be providing to the the yeah. toolbox. So the for listeners, the everybody that comes on, they provide something, something of value, something you can go download and look at. Uh, you go to hybendigital.com, you click get the toolbox, you get access to all of that stuff. And Jen's going to provide a few things for the toolbox. One was that client intake questionnaire and it says seller checklist and then a f uh, final few things. Is that all kind of part of that same strategy? Yeah, a little bit. So um, the other thing we try and do consistently and um, hopefully we excel at this is that we try to be proactive. We don't want clients waiting on us. So communication wise, we are super proactive. Clients hear from us almost daily um, and we try and anticipate questions. So a lot of systems around our emails that go out at different parts of the transaction, um, even for my buyers, right? Buyers are hard right now. We have a menu. We have 12 questions. We ask our buyers, hey, here are some ways we can be competitive. Here's your monetary ways. Here's your non-monetary ways. What's best for you? Also, here's what the seller said is their highest priority. Can we do that? If not, how else can we sweeten the offer? Um, so just a lot of systems and a lot of anticipation around the different parts of the transaction, the sticking points, the questions that come up. Um, and, and hopefully a lot of proactivity, you know, to anticipate the client's uh, needs. Yeah. The, you know, kind of one of the things that we talked about before you even got on the show was about as growing the business. Like, so we talked a little bit about growing that business and strategies behind it. We've talked about defining your values. 
yeah. right? And like being able to, to kind of hire through your values and, and things like that. Talk about that for a second. Sure. So I, um, I really love our clients. <laughs> and I know that sounds trite, possibly cheesy, which is probably valid. But we, we try, my team, I, I joke I'm never hiring, um, but we try to really lead with our values. One of them is doing everything with excellence. You know, another is continual learning. We'll, we'll have Instagram stories of what the books we're reading, right? Client care packages we're putting together. Again, real specific, selected, hand curated. Um, one of them is generosity. You know, we really love being generous. Um, I'm super excited. I'm taking my team to the spa this, this month, couple weeks. Um, so generosity with our clients, generosity with each other. And then part of our intake is um, we ask the client if they have a favorite charity. So we donate 10% of each transaction to a charity. So we try and, and not only live our values, but kind of show that in, in our social media and our marketing, both traditional and print. Um, and then we also kind of explain that to our clients in our pre-list packet. It comes through with our core values. Um, and we have a, we don't work with everybody policy. <laughs> in Arizona, I, I've been in the industry for a long time now, a couple decades. So I've seen what happens when the tide goes out, right? And you see he's not wearing any swimsuits. I don't want to be working with people whose integrity I don't trust. And the reason I say that is um, we're very intentional about um, working with clients um, who, who match our integrity, uh, kind of our integrity level or, or standard, I guess. Um, we want people, if, here's a for instance, we had a call not too long ago. Somebody was referred to us. We wanted to, um, you know, go out and meet them. It was great. Uh, they were saying some things that would violate fair housing. And um, it's not worth us losing our license. And it's certainly not worth us aligning with that, right? Yeah. I'm not racist, but, and then they say all these things, oh, I'm going to stop you right there. We can't work together. You can't say things like that. I, I can't lose my livelihood. Right, and. Right. I want to make sure that you understand that I appreciate you and I appreciate candor, but here's where the line is and you've crossed it. So um, in terms of values, we're, we're careful, I guess, <laughs> in making sure that we, you know, and we, we put it in the contract. If we um, ever have concerns and we have a fire me clause, you can fire me, I can fire you. Um, I've never been fired, but I want to make sure it's what's best for the client and it's not going to get us in hot water. I tell you what, you have to be really clear on your values and beliefs mm -hmm. to be able to have something like that happen and to be able to confidently say, wait, we need to stop. We can't go any further. Yeah. Right. Because people get into all these gray area situations all the time. Yeah. And the biggest reason we get into them is they weren't prepared for them or they aren't, or they weren't really, really clear of what they would do if they get in that certain situation. But if you have clearly defined values, like these rules of, hey, we never lie. We're always generous. If you've got these five or six rules, and, and there's going to be some listeners right now that don't have their values defined yet, right? This will be the first time they're thinking, oh, core values is a part of my business. But, oh, yeah. but having those values laid out ahead of time, listeners, helps you when you come into one of those situations to go, these are the lines I do not cross. Yeah. Right. They say, you know, people shouldn't hang out in certain areas or certain situations, get themselves in certain situations. You can only mm -hmm. get yourself in these certain situations if you're very clear about what lines won't be crossed, what values you're going to have. So you talk about you're never hiring, but the but if you <laughs> see somebody out there living, you know, if you're at the movie theater 
and you're getting treated with some of my favorite thing to do is like I'm different times I'm out there and I see somebody at a movie theater or something that's like so good at customer service or like running back and forth at a different time. I'm like, you should come to work for me. I would love to have this person come work for me because they did such a good job at solving this or that person was just screaming at them and they were able to handle that so well. Mm-hmm. Like, I would love it if they joined my team. Are you, yeah. is, is that what you mean when you say you're never oh. hiring, but you're always hiring? Yeah, totally. I, um, my first agent actually worked at our church and um, she met me in a season where I had a lot of crazy going on, right? I was getting audited. There was just all this stuff. And we had been acquaintances for a lot of years. Um, but I knew her integrity. And so she's like, I think I'm going to get my license. Can I, can I pick your brain? You bet. So we, we chatted, we had coffee. Um, and she goes, Hey, I, I think I want to do this. I was like, okay, well, why don't you come and assist and you can kind of walk with us. But I had her meet Cynthia, my, my TC. And I said, look, let's just date. Let's see how this goes. Cause I wanted the gel to work. I wanted the, the camaraderie, the morale to be awesome. And um, so she ended up being my first hire, but I'd already known her hustle, mm-hmm. um, her integrity, you know, um, Warren Buffett has a famous quote, you know, hire, hire, um, I think it's wisdom, hustle and integrity. But if you can't hire the first two, just hire integrity because <laughs> yeah. I can't train that, but I can train the rest. Right. Um, my second agent um, was a referral of a referral. So we had a lot of people in common. And uh, she came and she said, hey, can I just ask you some questions? I'm on this team and I have some concerns about some ethics stuff going on. And I was like, great, we'll grab coffee just so you know I'm not hiring. I'm like, she goes, okay, well, let's just, you know. Um, so we had coffee and, um, and I was like, huh, I really like what I'm hearing. So I kind of checked her out and um, then had her do the same thing. Hey, I'm going to have you meet, you know, my, my team and we're going to see how this goes, including our client care coordinator. She's amazing. So there's five of us. But I wanted to make sure the morale was right. And yeah, we had a we had a server recently. She was a rock star. She, she was in a restaurant. My husband goes, you want to hire her, don't you? I was like, yeah, I do. She's just, she was so good. So I think that if you, if you have that moral compass or that integrity piece and the hustle is great, you know, you can train the rest. Yeah. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui with a quick commercial break. Now you've been listening, you've been waiting, and now the big Rent Ready mystery can be revealed. Rent Ready just launched rental property accounting for landlords. It's so new, I haven't even got a chance to check it out yet. Now you can easily connect your rental properties from Rent Ready to an accounting software created specifically for landlords with Rent Ready's newest partner, REI Hub. Now I've used a lot of payment processing systems in the past, and it's always been a challenge even asking them to generate APIs so it can talk to our existing systems. And they're really, any type of software that collects payments doesn't make it very easily to do that. But now with Rent Ready, you can automatically transfer properties and charges from your Rent Ready profile. You can track your income and expenses with matching rules and payment templates to speed up your bookkeeping. View your profit and loss or cash flow by property or unit. Get your portfolio's balance sheet, schedule ease, and more. Guys, we're so excited about this. And here's something even more exciting. As always, with Rockstars, you get a special, special opportunity. If you're not currently using Rent Ready, you can sign up using our special code ROCKSTAR50 and get 50% off your Rent Ready subscription. Once you set up your properties, you can add rental property accounting as a premium feature. If you're currently using Rent Ready, go check out the new accounting features designed to save you time and money while you manage your business. And remember, it's Rent Ready with an I at the end. R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I dot com. Thanks for listening. Go check them out. 
yeah. see people that yeah people that love the idea that you can tell that they're they're hard workers they like making people yeah. happy they can deal with uh, stressful situations yeah. so if you're going to if somebody's going to ask how how do i create my values mm. right? so some people are like so what where do i start yeah you know, the and and what advice would you give them like where do they start if they need to create their values and and they're they, they do 3 do they do 5 do they do 10 what what advice would you give them Awesome. Super good question. Uh, the book Vivid Vision is a favorite. So if you've not read it, highly recommend it. Um, I spent actually a couple of days working on it. So I read the book and then I grabbed a notebook and um, just kind of charted out a couple of things. But most importantly, spend some time really reflecting on what's your deal breaker, right? If you're in business with, would this break it for you? Where does that line lie for you? So as real estate agents, we're bound by fiduciary responsibility if you're a realtor, um, ethics, right? That's big. And you can lose your license. You can get taken court. You can lose your livelihood. So within even that kind of guidelines, um, there's a lot up there with our ethical guidelines, both with real estate agents and your MLS. And then if you're a part of NAR. Um, and then aside from that, I would sit with a, a, just a notepad and, um, and really think through in your perfect day, what does... What gets you going? What gives you joy? And how do you want the world to perceive you? So if you are showing up and you are, you know, the master of data, if you are the master of analytics, you know, what is natural and authentic to you? And then um, what is, what's the framework around that? Do you want to be the best? Do you want to always show up with excellence? Do you want to show up, you know, with, I think most people want to show up with integrity. So I kind of go back to that. Um, but for us, there's, you know, continual learning. I think that's huge for most people. Um, and there's just some really good frameworks in that book that I think will help set it up. Yeah. Cameron Harold, he's, uh, he's got wrote Vivid Vision. Brilliant guy. I've had him on the yeah. podcast before. I've been to a couple, uh, I've been to a couple of his retreats. I've hung out, we've gone all over recently, most saw him. I think in Las Vegas just a few months ago as he was jumping around, but the yeah, great, he's got a lot of good books on how to yeah. build, on how to build business mm-hmm. uh, and hadn't even thought about that one for advice for setting up, you know, values for people. The, mm-hmm. you know, you talked a lot about kind of fiduciary responsibilities. One of the things in our, in our notes, there's two of them. It's like fighting hard and playing nice. And then also <laughs> like confidentiality, confidentiality among friends, among family members of, of things mm-hmm. like that. Just uh, talk about that for a minute. Yeah, sure. So the acronym for a fiduciary responsibility is CARLOAD. So there's seven different things. The C is, is confidentiality. Um, when you work in a market where, or in any market, um, when you're working with multi-generational or, or people who know each other, right? Confidentiality is huge. Um, we have a lot of different conversations. We work with you know, generational wealth. We work with um, lots of people in a specific transaction or people who are in parallel transactions, and a big part of earning and retaining business is being the fiduciary and being confidential. So, Aaron, if you were like, hey, I'm going to refer you uh, my brother. And um, then I start working with him and you're like, hey, how's it going with my brother? And I was like, oh, our standard response is that's a great question. You should ask him. And I tell people that up front. Like, hey, you know what? I am happy to. Thank you so much. But I want to set the expectation up front that my fiduciary responsibility is now to this person. Thank you for sending them, but I have to take everything that they they say and keep it confidential. So when you ask me, you're going to see that my response is this. I'm going to set a hard boundary. I'll do it with a smile, but you're not getting past that. So that's huge. 
Um, there's a lot of, I could go through all seven. It would take a lot of time, but that's really important. And it really sets the precedent that you are an expert, you're a professional. And, um, and I think people trust you more when you do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. So you've been a long time. We're, we're running low on time. This has been yeah. so much fun to get to chat. But the you talked about being a longtime listener of the podcast. There were a couple podcasts that stuck out to you. But yeah. one, I mean, the story you shared from that was so good. I want to make sure we share it again. But you talked mm. about uh, a gal that we interviewed that was also a mom. And you yeah. kind of reshare some of, some of that story and some of that experience and how that can apply. Yeah, for sure. I loved this. So this is when I was kind of newer back to real estate, um, maybe 2018-ish. And uh, it was a mom who was on the podcast. She was um, doing an expansion team, had some young kids. Um, I think she was an Ironman. I like to run. So that too hit home. But she put a really kind of strong boundary around her time with her kids. She, in the podcast, said that, you know, from three to five, she kind of, she was in a meeting. She was with her kids. She was at the bar stool doing homework, doing snacks, downloading their day. She would turn her phone off. And um, I loved that because I, as a mom, you know, I've got a bunch of kids and uh, I wanted to have a framework around a way to love on my family, be present with my clients, but really be present with my kids on the after school space. It's so big. Um, so I thank you. <laughs> that was such a good podcast and really helped me establish boundaries that my agents now are adopting most, I think all of us are moms, all of us on my team, we all have a bunch of kids and it helps us be balanced, centered, happier, more present with our family and more present with our clients. I love being able to kind of call it a meeting, right? So the, so much of our life in business is managed by calendars, right? And as agents, as entrepreneurs, there's always a meeting that we say, I didn't answer my phone because because I was in the bank talking to the banker about this, or because I was talking to a new client. There's so many times when we're working with people in our business that we say, no, I'm not going to answer my phone because I'm in this, because I'm in a team meeting, because I'm in our quarterly meeting. So yeah. if there's times when we can say, no, I didn't answer my phone and I was away from emails because I was in this important meeting, mm -hmm. having that daily important meeting with your family. And the in some sense, I, I have people tell me like, hey, it's it's kind of ridiculous that I will put my family time in a calendar, right? They'll try to kind of throw some guilt around that or something else where it's like, no, I'm going to take Brax to the gym on this day and I'm going to hang out with the kids at this time or these are the hours when nothing can get booked. But being able to treat that like a meeting, it's just the way to solve it for me because it's so tough, The especially early on. Mm -hmm. Right. In the beginning, of, if you're not hiring a transaction coordinator because you're worried that you need to do all the work or make all the own money or that scarcity mindset, the agents want to be able to answer the call. They want to be able to say, but this could be the call that mm -hmm. makes me $100,000. And that's true. Right. But like the family, the support and that, that balance being able to go, no, this is my meeting um, yeah. that I have. This is my important meeting that I don't answer my phone during the, I think, um, I think I, I need to continue to do more of those. I need to continue to set more and more time in there. And I love that reminder of, and even the way podcasts work, right? We get to hear some of those tips and, and share it around and then go, yeah, I can, I can apply that. And this is how I'm going to apply it in my life. Yeah. Well, thank you. Cause that was formative in my setting up my business. Um, it doesn't always work. I mean, full transparency, a lot of days where I have to be out with clients, but I, I, there's a lot of intention there and, and my kids will actually take a pen 
and put their names in my schedule. <laughs> so we'll do date nights, you know, and so-and-so gets a date or because they know they're my highest priority. So Sunday, Sunday afternoons, we do family um, scheduling mm-hmm. and my kids play sports, but all the things. So we put all that in the schedule and then I work my appointments around that. So clients, you know, they're, they're great and they're going to respect the boundaries. And I think we look like more of a professional if we have some boundaries around our family time. It's, yeah. uh, it's actually been really great and very respected by clients. Well, Jen, this has been, this has been awesome. It's been so much fun. It's fun to get to go from people that I start chatting with on social media about podcasts and things like that to get to actually meet you in person. And we both got to, you know, like we said, we got to share about go abundance before the call and, and some of the other stuff that we've, we've been doing, but people are going to want to reach out to you. They're going to want to, you know, send people your way. They're going to want to ask you about real estate in Arizona. What's the best way for people to find you? You bet. I'm always happy to take referrals. We love, love working with agent referrals. Um, Phoenix Scottsdale is our market. Uh, on Instagram, there's a bunch of Jen Nelsons. So I'm yeah. at Jen Nelson underscore realtor um, or Nelson Group Southwest, nelsongroupsw.com. So happy to chat. You guys can call, text, email, whatever. So Jen Nelson underscore realtor. That's where Jen and I talk. The This has been a lot of fun and I'm sure a bunch of people real, will reach out to you. So Jen, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, coming on with the goal to add value. I think you added a bunch of value today. Well, I, I really appreciate it. It's been so much fun. Thank you. I, and thank you for all you do. I love the podcast. Thank you so much for those and real estate rock stars as always. Thanks for listening. All right, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.